0: Seattle, and this doctor was in his last year of his practice, he was getting ready to retire. And retiring for this guy meant uh, purchasing a multi-million dollar yacht and sailing around the PNW. So, so he did pretty well for himself in pediatric ophthalmology. And, and while I was working for this guy, he, he took the staff, we had like a staff getaway, and he took us to the herb farm in Woodenville, Has anybody been to the herb farm in Woodenville? Okay. Uh, it, is, it is a very fancy restaurant down in Woodinville, and uh, for some context, many of you know my story, but if you don't, I grew up in, in the middle of Michigan, in a town of a couple thousand people, and, and so fancy for me growing up was going to the golf course to eat, or Big Boy, does anybody know what a big boy is? Right? Big boy was fancy for me growing up. So when I walked into this restaurant, it was strange, uh, and I didn't know what to do. I spent I spent like the whole night. It was one of those meals where it was a it was a nine course meal over like three hours, and with every dish there was a wine pairing that kind of went with it, and you know the, these fancy dishes. And so I spent the entire evening going okay, is this thing edible? <laughs> or, or I was eating things that weren't edible, because literally most of the stuff that came out, I'm like, this definitely isn't food. Like, You do not eat this thing. Whatever this is, you don't eat And so I was asking questions and trying to figure out what do I eat, what don't I eat. It was very uncomfortable and hilarious. Everybody just laughed. They thought it was funny, because I was completely out of my element. Now, Dr. Carlson, on the other hand, he probably ate there often. Or in places like that often. He was a little more at home in that restaurant. He did not feel uncomfortable. He knew what silverware... Uh, he, there was multiple pieces of silverware, which I never fully get that. Like, <laughs> doesn't one fork do the same thing? Poke your food and eat it? At it? He knew what all the silverware f- was for. He knew how to function in that, that place. Today we're, we're starting a, a new series. It's going to go for seven weeks. And it's, it's called Meals with Jesus. And there's so much to learn as you read through the scriptures and the gospels. So much to learn from Jesus about who he is, about what he came to do, in examining who he ate with and what he talked about while they were eating. And so we're going to look at seven stories over these seven weeks. And like my experience at the herb farm, what we're going to find is that there are a number of people that were very uncomfortable around the table with Jesus. They were very much out of their element. They were pretty confused at some of the things that he did. And then there were some people who came to the table with Jesus that you would least expect to be at the table with Jesus. People were confused, like, why are you eating with them or why are you welcoming them to the table? And Jesus had this beautiful, unique way of communicating the good news of God's love through sharing a meal and my prayer as we navigate these texts is is that we would in a way that we would come to the table and hear from Jesus that he would minister to us that he would redirect us that he would challenge us that he would help us to see the way he sees so we can follow in his way that's that's my prayer And I also want to encourage you over the summer, as the weather gets nice, except for today and yesterday, (laughs) my uh, brother and sister-in-law are camping right right down the street. Uh, I can't wait to check in with them and see how that went last night. (laughs) Um, I, I encourage you to find somebody, invite some people over, do a barbecue at your house, share a meal with some friends, share a meal with people that you haven't had a meal with. Maybe somebody you've connected with here at the church, say, hey, I don't know your story yet. Why don't you come over and we'll eat some hamburgers and share our life story? I want to encourage you to do that this summer. At the end of the series, on the 21st of August, we're going to throw a a celebration, have a bit of a party, because uh, it's the 25th year that this church has been a Foursquare church. And so we're just going to celebrate God's faithfulness and his goodness in this community. Uh, Dave Veach, who is part of bringing this church into Foursquare, is going to come up and be with us. So it's gonna be a wonderful time. The following weekend, I'm giving you some calendar notes. The following weekend, the 28th, is our City Beach service. And if you've been to that, it is a lot of fun. We go down to Windjammer Park or City Beach, however you call it, whatever you call it. <laughs> and we did this last year with three other churches and we worshiped Jesus together and we, we shared a meal together. This year, there's, at this point, there's 10 churches that are joining with us. Um, so God's just doing a cool work of unifying the body across denominations, and it's going to be really, really special. So mark that on your calendar. Let's pray before we get into the text today. Jesus, um, we do want to get caught up in your presence with us today. We want to sit at your feet. We want to hear what you have to say. That's why we come here. You're, you're the one who leads us and directs us and rescues us and redeems us, so we We offer our hearts and minds and ask you to speak. We pray this in your name, amen. Amen. Luke chapter five, turn there, Luke chapter five. If you're newer to the scriptures, it's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and then comes Luke. We're gonna be in chapter five, starting in verse 27. Chapter five, verse 27, here's our first story. After this, he went out and he saw a tax collector named levi sitting at the tax booth and he said to him follow me and leaving everything he rose and followed him and levi made him a great feast in his house and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them and the pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus answered them, "Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call the right- I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." Now there's so many things to learn from Jesus in this story. But to do that, we've we really got to understand the background, who these tax collectors were, because it adds so much richness to this story. The spread of the Roman Empire over 2,500 miles across at its kind of widest places from east to west. And, and this was in a time when when travel and communication was not quick or easy. So the fact that that Rome could be as expansive and connected as they were was, was quite a feat. It was amazing, right, the, the reach of this empire. And, and throughout this empire, they had a lot of leaders and local officials and leaders that would carry out the various demands of the empire. we're not unfamiliar with this in the states we have a president we have local leaders and governing officials depending on the year you may like that or not like that uh, locally and in the states that's just the nature of it right but we get the idea when when you have a ruling kind of governing authority there's kind of leaders that are spread out over uh, their area that they oversee and one of these jobs in the roman empire was a tax collector and and here's how this worked rome would send one of their kind of bigwigs into an area to assess the area. So they, they would go into an area and they would, they would assess it and then they would set a tax rate for that specific area. So let's, let's, for example, this morning, let's say that each of these sections of seats is a different area. And so th- they would come in and they would look at kind of the businesses and the people and what was going on in that section and they would say like, eh, 2% on, on everything over here. And they would go to the next area or region and they would say 5% for you guys. Sorry, life is hard. Uh, We've got a bigger population. It looks like they're a little more uh, business. There's more, we're going to go 7.5% for you guys and one for you, right? So they would come in and they would set these, (laughs) they would set these taxes. (laughs) And the job of the tax collector, the local tax collector, was to carry out collecting these taxes that were set by kind of the the bigwigs. And this is where things got squirrely. Because the percentages that were given to each area, it wasn't necessarily public knowledge. Not everybody knew necessarily. they, They weren't they just weren't aware of what was set by Rome. And so the local tax collectors would actually take more than that and tell the people that they had to give more. And so for 1%, maybe they would take 3% and then take the rest for themselves. (laughs) So you can see the tax collectors in this time, they weren't necessarily liked people. Because they were filthy rich. They had tons of money. They took advantage of people. And they were kind of pawns of the local government. And so in this text, when we read that the Pharisees and the scribes are kind of viewing this teacher or this rabbi, and he's hanging out with these sinners and tax that was the common feel towards these guys. Nobody really liked them or wanted to be with them. And this is why this story is so incredibly powerful, because... Jesus, when Jesus showed up, the Lord of the universe, when he showed up and was walking through the town, he didn't have the same perspective. He didn't pick up on the cultural feel towards this group of people. He walked right up to the tax booth and said to the tax collector, come and follow me. Come and be my disciple." This is something you would never have heard the religious people say. In fact, they were trained. The Pharisees, those that were kind of the religious elite, they were actually trained to not associate (laughs) with the tax collectors and sinners. They were taught, listen, we have to keep ourselves separated from things that are dirty and unclean. And they prided themselves in that. They didn't want to contaminate their way of life. Not so with Jesus. Jesus says, hey, I'm coming into your world and I want you to come and be a part of what I'm doing right now. Come follow me. This is profound. This is why it rattled these guys. This is why they were a little bit confused. And the whole situation for the tax collector would have been equally jarring. For a rabbi to come and say, come follow me? What? Like, you kind of people don't say things like that to my kind of people. He would have been like, wait, what is, is this for real? It's pretty supernatural that he even responded to Jesus' call to come and follow. Because remember, this guy was living the high life. He was doing just fine. And for him to follow Jesus meant he was going to leave behind a way of life. Here's what one commentator says about this story. He says, if following Jesus had not worked out for the fishermen or some of the other disciples, they could have returned to their trade without difficulty. But when Levi walked out of his job, he was through. They would surely never take back a man who had simply abandoned his tax office. His following of Jesus was a final commitment. So when Jesus said to Levi, hey, come follow me, he was all in. And he was so moved by this experience, you know, he he just leaps at the chance. And then the story, he gathers all of his friends together and he throws a party. (laughs) He throws a feast with Jesus. This tax collector instantly becomes an evangelist. He says, listen, (laughs) you guys have got to come and hang out with this guy. I've got lots of money, let's throw a party, we'll eat some good food, I want you to meet this guy. You need, to hear his vo- you need to hear what he has to say. Come and see, come and follow him too. To which his friends are probably like, dude, you're off your rocker. Wait, no. <laughs> Yet in the story, they have this massive feast. And in the presence of Jesus, a greedy man became generous you seeing the life change here? He used what he had to actually throw a a party and honor Jesus and share food with his friends and family. And and this isn't the only story like this in Luke. If you grew up in church, then you learned a crazy little song. Uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. What'd that guy do? He climbed right up in that sycamore tree. See what he can see, right? You know the story of Zacchaeus. Guess what Zacchaeus did for a living? Tax collector. In fact, the text in Luke 19 tells us that he was a chief tax collector. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was kind of like the boss of tax collectors. And Jesus calls him out of a tree and says, Hey, I'm coming to your house today. This is wild behavior for some people. That's the way they would have viewed this. Wait, you're going to his house? Listen, listen to how they respond in the Zacchaeus story. Luke 19, verse 7. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner? And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything... I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Another example of a greedy, dare we say swindler, turning into a generous man in the presence of Jesus. Powerful story. A couple of things uh, that we learn about Jesus from this meal and the story of Zacchaeus. First is that Jesus came for sinners. Jesus came for sinners. When the Pharisees challenged the behavior of Jesus, when when they challenged the fact that he was eating with these guys, his response to them was, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came for sinners. And in this this story, in this moment, this is one of the moments where I wish I could have been on the wall as a fly just listening in because these words that he says to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders, these would have been fighting words to them because he's actually challenging their very way of life. He's pushing back on the things that they thought were important. They devoted so much of their time to being righteous and doing the right things and being separated from the wrong things. In a way, Jesus is saying, well, if you guys got it figured out, great. I didn't come for people that haven't figured out. I came for people who are in need and know it. I came for sinners. I came for those who are broken. I came for those who, who are hungry. I came for those who understand that they don't have what it takes, not for those who are, have their life together and know how everything should work. Now, the great story is he came for those people too. And he calls all of us to himself because we know we're all sinners. True? <laughs> this is good news for us. Jesus came for sinners. Have you ever been around uh, somebody who is obviously in need, but acted like they were just fine? Maybe a harder question. Have you ever been somebody who is desperately in need, yet something inside of you fights and tries to show that you're just fine? That you don't need help, that you don't need support, that you don't need encouragement, Here's the good news today. With Jesus, you don't need to pretend. He already knows you. He already knows your struggles. He already knows the things that are on on the weight on your shoulders, the challenges that you're facing. He sees you. He knows your name. He knows your story. And he says, Hey, in the middle of that, come and follow me. Be my disciple. And that doesn't always mean that our circumstances and those things change. But when we align ourselves to Jesus and we respond to his call, Here's the thing, when you're with Jesus, your life does change. Your perspective changes, (laughs) what you do changes. It came for sinners who need a savior. Charles Talbert, in his commentary reading Luke, quotes Robert Munger, I love this. He says, the church is the only fellowship in the world where the one requirement for membership is the unworthiness of the candidate. (laughs) that is so good we're gathered here today not because of our credentials or because of our worthiness or our right doing we're here today because we're aware that we're vulnerable and we're weak and we've fallen (laughs) short but we serve a God who came and rescued us we serve a God who came for sinners and so we worship and we praise his name and we lift him up sinners saved by grace. Paul, the apostle, he reflects on this in his letter to the Philippians. This is right after he lists off all of his credentials. (laughs) Here's what he says, Philippians 3, verse 7. He says, but whatever whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. If you're here this morning, or if you're with us online this morning, and, and you are in need, Jesus sees you. And he loves you. And he actually knows I I think most of the time we can sometimes acknowledge what our needs are. Most of the time the needs are way deeper, it's like the roots that go down. Jesus understands the roots. And and he is such a loving and gracious and kind and patient God that he wants to deal with the the roots. And he does if we let him if we let him search us if if we respond to his call to say come and follow me he begins to minister and heal and restore it's amazing second observation from this text so jesus came for sinners jesus calls for repentance Jesus came for sinners, but he came to lead sinners into new life. And this is is an important clarification. This is the idea of repentance, that that we turn away from one thing and we turn into another thing. It's a change of direction. And the invitation of Levi, the tax collector, was to come and follow the way of Jesus, which meant as a tax collector, he had to leave behind the tax collecting way of life, which again for him meant some luxuries that nobody else probably had. He had to set them down in order to follow Jesus and his command to come and follow him. This is repentance. And as we saw in these two stories with Levi and Zacchaeus, life change is is common around Jesus. Because when you say yes to following him, he takes you out of the things that you're doing into new things, into new life. He gives you a new heart, a new perspective. He gives you new passions, a new strength. And your life changes. And so here's the, here's the question, here's a harder question for all followers of Jesus to ask. You can ask this of yourself. I'm asking this of myself. Am I growing in the way of Jesus. Does my life today look more like the way of Jesus than it did yesterday or last year? As I'm responding to the call to come follow, it's not a a one-time decision, it's a daily decision to say, Jesus is my Lord and I'm going to follow him. Is change occurring? Is transformation occurring? Is renewal occurring? And if it is not, what could be the cause? In my home, uh, I've shared this with you guys before, we have a couple of days during the week that we have screen time for our kids. So they know on Fridays uh, and Sundays they can do screens and they've got I can't remember for the life of me what they're called. They're not iPads. They're the Amazon one. Fire, fire tablet. Fire things. Fire thing. They have fire things. They're about this big. And they get, they get fire tablet times on, on Fridays, and they do movies on Sundays, and, and they, they love their tablet time. That's for sure. They've got games and books and stuff that they read. And we set aside a, a certain amount of time you know, that the kids can be on them, and 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 when they're done, when we've got to go to the next thing, like we're going somewhere as a family, or we got chores we got to do, or something. Um, without fail, here's how this exchange works. Here's how it goes. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you've got younger kids, or you've had younger kids, and it, maybe it wasn't a fire box. It was something different. But without fail, here's how this interaction exchange goes. We We say... Hey, kids, it's time to be done with screens. And this is the response. Okay, Dad, just a minute. I'm almost done. You ever heard this before, right? Just a minute. I'm almost done. Which doesn't mean just a minute. It means I'm going to keep playing until you physically remove this from my hands. That's what it means. And I know... I know as a father that my kids will not be paying attention to anything I have to say to them until that is out of their hands. They can't, they can't tune in to the two things. They're either tuning into what's in their hands, or they're tuning into to what we're saying. You can't do both. And so we have to put the tablet, the fire thing, in the cabinet and make sure we have their attention before we give direction or it's just right over their head i think this is actually a really great picture of our walk with jesus we encounter the good news we say yes he knows my name he's called me to follow him we recognize our need to be rescued and but we often are holding tightly to things that have defined us, to things that have been spoken over us, to things that give us some sort of comfort and peace. And when Jesus says, come and follow me, our response often is, just a minute. I'm not sure that I wanna give this up yet. I'm not sure I want to set this down yet. I'm not sure I want to leave this behind yet. And you fill in the gaps. We all have those things. Unfortunately, it's really difficult to follow in the way of Jesus when our devotion and our attention and our focus is on something else. Repentance is setting it down, leaving it behind, turning, and saying, all I want is what you have and want for me. And this is what Jesus beckons us into. And it's every day the loving voice of our Savior is saying, come and follow me into life. Because It's amazing. Jesus, when he calls us by name, he's not calling us into a horrible life. He's not calling us into things that are just going to be absolutely miserable for us. There's going to be challenging things. There's going to be things where we have to actually lay down our lives. That's true. But when Jesus calls you and you respond, he's calling you into resurrected life, into things that are eternal. And maybe on this earth we'll experience some suffering, but to be with him eternally is worth everything. And so we respond because our God is good and he desires the best for us because he's the one that created us and he knows what is best for us. And he's also got a mission that he's carrying out on our planet and he works through each one of us. So go back to the story of Levi the tax collector he responds to Jesus he's at his tax booth doing his taxi things Jesus calls his name He gets out of that tax booth says I'm going And the very next thing he does is he throws a party with all of his buddies who shouldn't be with Jesus when God changes and moves and transforms your heart It's because he loves you, and it's because he's reaching everybody around you as well. Who knows what could happen as we all respond to the call of Jesus? Who knows what could happen in our families and in our community and in our places of work as we experience life change and tell other people, listen, you've got to come, you've got to come meet. Jesus. (laughs) You've got to come here from Jesus. You've got to understand who this guy is because he's he's changed my life. Is there anything that could be keeping you from responding to the voice of Jesus this morning? Today we're going to close service. Worship team, you guys can join me. We're going to close service with communion. Um, You can get those out. We're not going to take take the elements, receive the elements, (laughs) quite yet. Um, But we're gonna close with worship, and as we prepare our hearts for communion, we, if you're newer newer to a faith community, we participate in this symbolic meal to remember some of the truths that I just shared from the story of the tax collector. We serve a God who entered into a broken world and laid his life down for broken people so that they could experience resurrection life and that it's only possible through the sacrifice of jesus through him giving himself and covering our sin and forgiving us of all of our wrongdoing this is why we can experience new life because of the way of jesus and he told his followers to share this meal and and to reflect on these things with the the wafer that well they had like real bread Uh, to remember that his body was broken and the cup representing his blood being shed and we've got to come back to this regularly to remember we're not a part of this story because of our awesomeness we're a part of the story because of his awesomeness we fall short what we bring to the table is a heart that's broken what he brings to the table is everything everything healing and restoration forgiveness it's an amazing story. It's everything, it literally is, is everything. Before we take these elements, uh, Kenneth, one of the things you guys will see in the foyer and kind of throughout this series is, is different artistic expressions of, of people responding to these various stories. And so you'll see some artwork and some poems and some writing. Kenneth wrote a song for this series that we're going to s- sing together. I want you to just reflect on it today. Uh, just ways that we can come to the table and, and experience and encounter who Jesus is. So take a minute, listen to the words of this song, and then I'll come back up and I'll lead us to, to receive the elements together. table I find my place